my church. It's Pastor John. I am standing inside of our new building. Not maybe, not might, our building. In just a short time, we'll begin construction. And before you know it, we'll be meeting in our new building. Some of the things that I'm most excited about that you'll see are sanctuary, the size of it. We'll be able to house a thousand people here. Think of the ministry that will take place. Think of worship. Think of the word that'll go forth. Just behind me will be our office space, but on the other side of that, our teaching and training center. A dream literally has come true. On the far side of our building, our youth facilities, our children's facilities, our main uh, opening where everybody can come and hang out in the foyer and be together. Our whole design is so that you'll want to hang out and spend time with each other. Man, I'm so excited about that. I want to invite you to an open house so that you can see for yourself. On June 13th, from 1 to 3, whenever it works for you during that time, come to the property. The address will be right behind me so that you can see it. We want you to be there, be able to take a facility tour, see where all of the different things are going to be for you and your family. And by the way, we'll have a couple of dessert trucks there so that you can enjoy the time too. Super excited about this. Dreams do come true and God is good. One of the opportunities that's also a challenge is the roof here in the sanctuary. Uh, the building roof height all the way through it is at 18 feet, which is a decent height. But in our sanctuary, we need to be at about 32 feet because we'll have a platform, we have screens, we have speakers, and it's multi-purpose space. In order to achieve that, raising the roof adds a particular amount of money onto this that we need to raise. Uh, when you come over to the open house, you'll be able to see for yourself what we're talking about. But I have an illustration that's been drawn that shows the current line of sight as the roof is now versus the line of sight if we raise it. And I think you can see for yourself just on the drawing how important this is. But when you come in person, you'll know this is not a luxury item. It's a necessity. It really allows us to do the things to create the ministry, uh, to see happen the things that we believe need to happen with it. And again, it is an exciting opportunity, but it's a challenge and a challenge that I know we can meet. Church, with this new facility, one of the things that I know to be true is that my whole life, and I bet if you're a Christ follower and you know it's true too, 
God always makes a way. There's a lot that we want to accomplish with this property. There's a lot that God's going to accomplish in the future with this property. But to do any of it, God's going to have to make a way. So as you're praying, as you're giving, as you're a part of it, I want you to know God's going to make a way for it all to come together. Love you guys. So excited about what God is doing. Can't wait, man. Go Jubilee. Yeah, can we just give it up one more time? Because I feel like God is so good and he is in this room. You know, I'm nine months pregnant, so I, and I had a really busy week, and I was tired and a little grumpy this morning thinking of coming here tonight, and I was just standing over there on the side watching people get baptized, and then watching that video, and God is so good. God is so good, and we should all be so excited right now for what he's doing and what he wants to do. And this idea of legacy, my son, my oldest, went to um, VBS this week here at Jubilee. And on the second day, he came home, and he was like, Mommy, I learned about sin today. And I was like, wow, they're really tackling the subjects. Um, but here's what he said. He goes, we wrote down something that we did that was wrong. And he had remembered, he's like the most pure hearted child. He could think of one thing. And seriously, it's probably true. He's done one wrong thing. He got paint one time on our chairs and I asked him and he was like, no, I didn't do that. It was our, and it was like two years ago. So obviously it stuck with him to not (laughs) to not lie. But anyway, he was like, so I wrote it down. And do you know what we did with it? We dipped it in this water. And when it came back up, the words were gone and the cross was on it. And I thought, he gets it at this age. He goes, Jesus doesn't see our sin in mommy. He doesn't see it. All he sees is he sees us. And that is what you're building into. That is what I'm building into. This legacy, this idea of this new place isn't just a building. It's a facility that facilitates bringing Jesus to people who need to hear that news. Right? And it's more baptisms. We have to cap it at 10 people a service because we don't have enough space and we don't have enough time. What does it look like in a bigger building that seats a thousand people? And we have to cap our VBS. We had to close it down. We had we didn't have enough room here in this place. And what are we building into? It's not just about your money, it's not just about a building, it's about a future legacy you are giving to. And we just invite you to come tomorrow, come look. Look at it. Come be a part of what we're doing. This is exciting. This is, this is dreams come true. God is so good. His word is good and he will make a way, right? He will, but be a part of making that way. Come be a part of it with us and eat ice cream. I'll, I'll be out at the ice cream truck. I think it's, it's been hot. We like went from winter to summer and there was no spring for the pregnant woman. None. We've been at the pool a lot, and I let JJ just run off with the kids. I'm like, I can't. I can't move anymore. I have less than a month. I can't. You got it. You can carry. I've carried this child to all four of them. You can run with the kids. (laughs) Anyway, we are starting a brand new series 
today, and it's our Teach Me series. So over the last month, we've had um, you texting questions, emailing questions. Um, there, there were some good questions. There were some heavy questions. There were some interesting <laughs> questions. Um, I, I love getting to do this. I, we, it's so fun to teach you what you want to learn about, you know, to, to be on the mark um, with where our church is at and the pulse of that. So over summertime, you'll get to hear from your teaching team about all different subjects and all different things. Um, next week, Pastor Terry is going to speak about children. There were a lot of questions on raising children right now, and we need that. And so Pastor Terry will be talking on that. But the one that really stuck out to me, it was, it was about, and I think it, when I, I was going to actually do a different topic. And then this last week I was, I, I called my dad and I was like, can I change it? Cause I really feel drawn to this idea. And I'm glad I did. Cause I feel like it's for, um, I feel like it's for today. I feel like it's for Whoever's listening right now in this moment, I think I actually I have a word at the end with this that I want to give, um, but it's on the power of words. And I think it's a really important topic to discuss right now and to go over because there are words all over the place being spewed out, right? There is a lot of hateful things going on. And I even, I was thinking, I even caught myself today just talking so negatively. It's just, it, it, it comes out so naturally, does it not? Just that negativity. And when all you hear and when all you're surrounded by is this idea of these negative words and these negative impacts, I want you to know it has a real power over what's happening. And I don't think that's just in our personal lives. I think that's in culture. I think that's in our country. I think that's in our children's lives. I think that's in our world. And I think it's not just orally spoken. I think it's words that are being typed out on computers, right? And on phones. Words are not just what are spoken. I mean, how much power is in your Bible? And you often are just reading it. Those words have power. And this social media and Facebook and Instagram, there's a lot of power that's going into these apps and this time. And so I want to talk today about the power of words, right? Because the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but will never hurt me, isn't true, is it? In fact, I think I'd rather have my bones broken in some ways over having the meanest thing ever spoken to me said again. Right? Think of it. Can you think of it pretty quickly? What's the meanest thing someone said to you? And how long has it stuck with you? What kind of impact has it had on your life? What has it dictated over you? What paths have you taken in your life based on things people have said over your life? There's a lot of power in that. I asked my husband that today and he like instantly was like, yeah, right? Because it so quickly comes to us. The things that are said over our lives, the things that are spoken over us stick with us. And I'd flip it the other way. The things you speak over people's lives also stick with them, right? 
We, we often take ourselves out of the equation or we forget the power that we, we think, oh, well, I, not me. Surely that didn't, that impacted you, right? We should be so much slower to speak than we are. We're a culture of fast speakers. Let, well, let me just share my opinion. It's just an opinion. It's just words that I'm throwing out there. I can change it. Maybe your words impact what's going on. And I think I would say it like this. If you aren't aware of the impact of the power that your words have, I promise you the enemy is fully aware of the impact your words have. Right? There's a real impact. There's a real power that God placed inside of you. So what are you using your power for? John 1.1 says this. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. It's such a short, basic sentence, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and God was the word. And yet there's so much in that sentence. In the beginning. And I don't think this is just referencing like the beginning of time. I think it's saying God is the beginning, right? God is the head. God is over all. And what comes with him is this word. In fact, in many interpretations, this, they, they think that John was writing, in the beginning was the word, and that word was Jesus. That is interpreted as Jesus. And what he's saying is by representing and by presenting Jesus Christ as the word through which all things were created, John is saying that God chose Jesus as his messenger and Messiah to tell us about himself. Jesus is God and the revealer of God the Father. So this word, right, this message from the very beginning, from the very start of all things, it's this creation that God's message is good, right? His message is good, and so our message should be good. It should be uplifting. It should be encouraging. It should be life-giving. Jesus always brought life wherever he went, whatever he did, whatever he spoke out. There was always life that came with it. And you have that power inside of you. He placed that inside of us. It's not a coincidence that you and I are the only creatures on this earth that speak, right? We, we go through life so flippantly sometimes, not realizing and recognizing how much God truly gave us humankind. What a gift he gave us. What power he put inside of us. What message are you carrying today? What message are you bringing today? So I want to talk about, there's three ways I think, uh, there's more, but I think there's three main ways that words have power. And they can be for, used for good and used for evil. And sometimes the unfortunate thing is we're not aware, if we're not on guard, of how, how they're being used. 
And so the first one is this. Words can create and words can destroy. They can create and they can destroy. Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then this, right? Then God said, right? He speaks it out. Let there be light. And what happens? There was light, right? There's this power to create that God uses. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from darkness. God called, right? He names, he creates again the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. God is the ultimate creator. God is so creative, and I don't think we think of him that way, but he is the ultimate creative person that you know, right? He's the number four on the Enneagram. (laughs) Just kidding, he's all of them, right? He's the full picture of it. But he is, he's a creator. He loves to create. Look at what he did with us. Look at how he created us, each one different. He took time to mold and to put inside of you things that look different from the person sitting next to you because he is a creator. His design for us is to create things. I think I hear a lot of people say, well, I am not a creative person, right? You probably, there's a, and, and to a point, I understand what people are saying when they say, I'm not creative. Like there's a certain, my husband's a creative person, right? He's a worship pastor. He's a musician. He's creative. And he actually is probably the most creative person I know. Um, but I would say this, God placed inside of every person the desire to create, And our words bring power to what we create. Our words bring life to those things. And we have the power inside of us to create inside of others. Think of someone, whether it was a teacher or a parent or a friend or someone who saw something in you and called it out. It had an impact on your life. It created something inside you that wasn't there in the first place. Pastor Terry, when I was, um, if you want encouragement, if you need a word, I would go to Pastor Terry. Like, I want to be him. (laughs) He, and everyone knows him, right? Everyone knows Pastor Terry. I have more people email. (laughs) Oh, they'll email me like, hey, thanks so much for bringing me a meal. By the way, Pastor Terry. Like any email I get, somehow Pastor Terry winds up in because he is the most encouraging person that I've ever met. He uses his words. I have never heard him tear down anyone or anything. 
That man calls forth creation over and over and over. And he has recognized the power in his words. And you know what it's done? It's made people want to be around him. You just want to be around him. That's what words do, right? When we use them the way God intended us to use them, they, they draw people to us. They draw people to that life. And he gives so much life. So when I was 20 right around 20. I did not have a plan or goal <laughs> in life. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, I was floating by. And Terry came to me and was like, hey, you're a really creative person. And I had never been told that in my entire life. I thought that that was not a gift inside of me. Like I was a bookworm. I can't draw. So I just thought that's, that's not, that's not me. He was like, no, no, you're really creative. You have really good ideas. He was like, come work for me. He was over the creative department at that time. And I was like, okay. I had no job title. I just showed up. I didn't even, I got, I was different every single day. And Terry is a little unorganized. (laughs) So sometimes we worked and sometimes we went to Ikea and ate Swedish meatballs. Like... It was different every time. Every day was a fun adventure with Terry. I never had a job title. I was like, I, I, I do creative things. Like that was my job. But now I'm head of that entire department because he called that out in me. Right? The simple conversation that he'll never know the impact. He'll never know the way it awakened something inside of me to dream. It gave me permission, right? And when we speak words like that, if we would only just take a minute and stop talking and observe people, we would be able to hear God's word over people's life. It's amazing when we're silent that God has the opportunity to speak. And not just over other people's lives, over our own lives. Sometimes we don't have direction because we're so busy complaining. (laughs) Right? Well, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't... Maybe it's just silence. There's a real art to silence. To being quiet and to listening and to allowing the Lord to speak. Because Ephesians 4.29 tells us this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I find it interesting that it tells us anything unwholesome come out of your mouth that isn't helpful. So it's telling us, right, like unwholesome doesn't have to be dirty necessarily, but is it helpful? Is it helpful what you're speaking? Is it helpful what you're thinking? Is it helpful what you're writing? Truly. I, did, I actually, I deleted, I had no longer have Facebook or Instagram of my personal accounts because I was like, I cannot see people in this way anymore. I cannot see the hateful words that have come out of people's mouths and you don't realize the destruction that you're causing. Is it helpful 
to your brother and to your sister? Is it life bringing? Does what you write, does what you say make people want to be around you? I think we have to begin to think like this. We want to go in guns blazing, but sometimes it's better to be silent. Sometimes we grab people better by encouraging them, by speaking a kind word to them, than by correcting them. James 3, 5 through 6, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. I love that. We say things sometimes so flippantly and think there's no repercussions to what happens after we have spoken something. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. It has the power to destroy. And it also has the power to create. And we have to be so careful because I think here's what we want to believe that our natural inclination is to create and to build up. But if we're really honest, it's a lot easier to be negative and to set a whole field on fire. It's so easy to think that way. And out of the overflow of our heart, right? Out of what we think comes out. So I think, you know, if you're going, well, I don't, I don't say the things I'm thinking. Hey, if you're thinking them, they're already in your heart. And they will find their way out. You have a bad day, right? Your kids are not behaving. You get in a fight, right? You go to work. You have a horrible day at work. You come home. Your wife starts nitpicking what you wore to work that day. No, just kidding. And all of a sudden, those things, you're caught off guard. And those things inside start coming out. We have to be so careful to not destroy what God has created. So then the second thing would be this. Words can bring life and words can bring death. Proverbs 18, 19 through 21. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Really think about that, right? What, the, what Proverbs is saying right here, an offended friend is harder to win back than a city that has been completely secured. I mean, that, that sounds pretty tough to me. <laughs> Doesn't sound like an easy task. And yet, if you really think on that, if you really meditate on that, is it not true? Have you been in this situation before, Right? on either side, on the receiving side of this. It's hard to win that back. It's hard to trust someone once they've hurt you. Once they've brought that painful message to you, you can forgive, 
but an offended friend, someone you've really hurt, someone you've let in. Because I think the closer the person, the deeper the hurt. And then Proverbs goes on to say this, arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring what? Death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. This isn't just for friends, right? This is also marriages. This is also relationships with our children. What we say matters and what we say can bring life and can bring death. But I wanted to say, I was thinking that can sound so hopeless, right? Like we, we come in, bring destruction and there's no hope left. But here's the thing, Jesus, right? But Jesus, because his word is greater than any word I could ever speak. And his message for you is always good and it's always encouraging, and it's always loving. And if you have been hurt, I, want to, I really felt like this as I was going over this message. If you have been wounded by words from someone, not just a person, but from someone influential in your life, whether that be a parent, or whether that be a spouse, or a sibling, or a very close friend, his word can reign over that word. And he wants to come and he wants to build you up and he wants to bring life. And in an instant, he can undo years of pain. He is a miracle worker. He is faithful. What Camille said is so true. He will never leave you. He will never leave you. And in that silence, in that place of pain, he's there speaking to you. What, what do you want to say, Jesus? What do you have for me? There was this study. I love to, I love when science and the Bible and what Jesus says to us collide, right? Which happens so much more than we think it does. It does. It's daily. It's just taking the time to research and to, to understand those things. So there was this study on the impact of our words and the correlation with our brain. And I think there were a few pieces. There was this really long article. There's tons of them if you want to go home and look up. There's, there's a lot about the impact that words have on people and specifically on the brain. But I wanted to point out a few of them that I think go right along with this idea of life and death. So one of them was this. Ultimately, negative words, whether spoken, heard, or thought, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be something that someone else has said. It's something that you have spoken over yourself. Not only causes situational stress, but also contributes to long-term anxiety. And I, I was thinking, most people who go to counseling, why do they go to counseling? It's something that was said along the way. It was a lie or a belief that they were told that put them in the place that they were in. Maybe not always, but I think a lot of times it was an impact of someone in their life 
that said something that impacted how they thought. But I think that's so interesting. It's not just in a moment, right? The thing that you thought of at the beginning of this message didn't just go away because you're still able to recall it. It had an impact on you. And then this, in their jointly written book, Words Can Change Your Brain, Dr. Andrew Newberg, a neuroscientist at Thomas Jefferson University, and Mark Robert Waldman, a communications expert, state, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. A single word spoken. That's powerful, right? It backs up what the Bible tells us. There is life and death in the power of the tongue. And when we walk out of here and we go out of here, my prayer is that we recognize that power. Because on the flip side of it, we can also bring life to people and life to ourselves. Because then this, it, the, it, the, it doesn't leave you just like saddened at the end of the article. It says this, over time, given sustained positive thought, functions in the parietal lobe start to change. Okay? So after you begin to hear words of encouragement, your brain begins to change. Because what happens is a negative um, word affects your amygdala. It's like the basic instincts. And our minds are always going to that, the fight or flight, the basic stuff. But when we begin to talk to people at a deeper level, and we begin to encourage them, and we begin to call out things that God put inside of them, it begins to change us. Consequently, this changes our perception of the self and those around us. So you begin to think positive things about yourself and it begins to change the way you also see others. And we begin to see the good in others. Essentially holding a positive view of ourselves helps train our brain to see the good in others. Thus, by exercising consistent positive thoughts and speech, it's an exercise. It is not natural in us to go to the good. It is not natural. That amygdala, that fight or flight, that, right, that fear inside of us, the self-preservation is always looking for worst case scenario. And in some ways that's good. It preserves our lives. It's not a natural thing though but the consistent exercising of positive thoughts and speech, we not only change our self-perception, but how we perceive the world around us. And then listen to this. Ultimately, this grants us the ability to shape our reality and change the world for the better. to shape our reality and change the world for the better by simply exercising consistent, positive thoughts and speech. What if we were the church, right? This is what the church is called to do, to begin to live this life. This is the daily renewal that the Bible tells us about that we have to daily renew our minds because this is not our natural state. And if you allow the enemy to deceive you into thinking this comes naturally, what will come out of you is death. 
And it's not just death over others. I think I have far more negative thoughts about myself than anything else. And then it turns to other people. When we feel bad, right? The, the, the meanest people I know are the most hurt people I know. And they have dictated that reality around them because there's so much hurt and so much wounding inside of themselves. And then we project it onto others. So what if we began to exercise thoughts of, I am loved, I am wanted, I have a creator that created me for good things. I have a hope, I have a future, my marriage is redeemable, my kids' relationships can be fixed. If we begin to think with the real power that our words actually have, what would happen in our life and in our world? There is real power in what we think and what we say. And my last point is this, words can bless or words can curse. We have the ability with our words to be hurtful, hateful, destructive, cursing, dismissive, and commanding, right? Our words have the ability to do all those things, which doesn't sound very great. But also on the contrary, we have the power to build up, to call out, to bring to life, to heal. Your words have power to heal people. There is a whole broken world out there. There is a whole generation of people that are hurting so bad and are so broken and desperately, desperately need a word from God and you have the power to bring that. The power to inspire. I think I would say it like this. I am the person I am today because of the people in my life who called out blessing over me. And that doesn't mean there weren't people along the way who have hurt me and that I've had to overcome. But I think the most impactful people in my life were people who called out a blessing and called out an identity to me. Um, we'll talk about it later in messages, but I, I just wanted to touch really quickly on the, it because there were so many questions about parenting. And so obviously I do not have grown children yet. So I do believe though, God gave me a word for parents in this place. And it's this, you want to know how to feed and fill your children with the identity of Jesus Christ and how to guide them through this world? You fill them with that identity. 
It's your responsibility to call it out with the words that God has given you. Because on the sidelines, there's an enemy waiting to fill them up as well. There are people very eager to let your child, your little kid know who they are and who they should be. And so my one, if I could give one parenting advice, it would be this. Tell your child the things that God put inside them. Begin to bless their life. Don't wait till they're teenagers. Don't wait till they're preteens. Do it the day they were born. Every time our children have the the day that they have come into this world, within the first probably 30 minutes of their lives, JJ and I read their blessing that God has given us over their life because from their first breath, I want them to know who they are. From the first moment, from the first day, the first thing ever spoken over their lives was a blessing and not a cursing. And it's never too late to do this. Sometimes we think, well, it's too late, or my kid's too far gone, or, oh, well, I I gave that up. Don't fight for it. Fight for it. Fight for your kid. Fight for the identity that they have. JJ had this word from the Lord um, in our parenting, and it's really been a strong thing for us, and it has led us, and it's this. When we see our kids acting in a way that is not who God has called them to be, rather than calling out the cursing of why are you doing this and why are you being like this, we remind them, this isn't who you are. We go, you're really, you're a kind person, right? When we see them not being nice or when we see them acting out, rather than pointing it out, we remind them, God created you to be such a nice person. What's going on? Sometimes we need a reminder of the identity that God put inside of us. My parents wrote my blessing when I was really young too. I probably was, was five. And my dad, we like lit candles. It was this really special thing. And every blessing, there was, there's five kids in our family and every blessing, here's what I love about the blessing from the father. It was different for every single one of us. And the identity and the things that God spoke about me, that my earthly father spoke over my life, look very different than what my sisters looked like or what my brothers looked like. And he wrote in each one of ours this description of who we are. I see you as. And for mine, he, was, he wrote, I see you as a bubbly brook. You bring joy wherever you go. And that blessing has stuck with me my entire life. And when I don't feel that way, when I don't feel very encouraged, when I feel like, oh, I've messed up, I, the Lord constantly brings me back to that blessing, to that place of blessing. 
Or when I was a teenager and I would be going through hard seasons in life, my parents, they printed it out and they would take me to my blessing, right? I struggled with fear for so much of my life. And in my blessing, part of it was, I loose you from fear. I loose you from generational fear. And I would hold on to that. And when I didn't feel it, and when I didn't see it, I would tell myself, God, this is the blessing and the promise. The blessing is the promise of God over our lives. This is what you have for me. This is what you have for me. And I will hold on to this. And we need to begin to call this out. There's this generation right now that's being raised up. And there is not a lot of positive things being spoken about them. Where are the people that will stand up for this generation and say, you are called. You are a royal priesthood. You are set aside. You are not a hopeless generation. You are not a generation that is lost. You are a generation that will lead a remnant back to Jesus. Where are those people, right? We are the church. And as I was standing there and watching that younger person get baptized, right? I thought we need to be the church that stands up for this generation and that begins to bless them, that begins to bless the generation after us. It is so easy to become negative. It is so easy to just go, well, they're just lost. Look at this place. Look at this country. Look at what it's filled with and just mock it and, and harp on it. And I think the Lord is calling us to rise above and to begin to bless this generation. Because if we don't, who will? This world's not going to bless them. They're going to fill them with empty lies and empty hope and empty identity that will lead them down paths of destruction, down paths of death. And our responsibility and our goal should be to bring life and blessing and creation into this generation. That is our call. Not just to our kids, but to a generation To a people. I felt like the Lord was saying, pass the baton and pass it well. Pass it well. Don't just toss it. Right? Hand it off. So as I come to the end of this message and I close, I felt like the Lord would have me ask you this. What's the one word he would speak over you? If you were sitting with him in this room and it was just you and it was just him, what would he speak to you? I think for some people that seems scary, right? Oh, I'd be in trouble. (laughs) But then you've missed the whole point of his good news for you. I mean, yes, sometimes God has to correct, but his message, even in correction, is good. And if you're hiding from that, you're running from that, can I just encourage you to run into his arms, to lean into him? 
Maybe you walked into this room and this is your first time and you walk in with a boatload of hurt from words that have been spoken. But Jesus wants to come and he wants to speak to you. And I can give you generic things of what God would tell you. You're loved, you're wanted, you're accepted. But I think a better thing we could do is close our eyes and ask him ourselves, what would you speak over me? What would you say to me? So if you would close your eyes with me. Father, I just pray right now that for every person in this room, God, what do you wanna speak? Would you silence our thoughts and our minds and our words and would you speak? You're loved. You're beautiful. You were not a mistake. Your life is not worth giving up on. There is hope in the situation. I make all things new. I love you. I want you. I made you. Let him just come and touch you. Because a moment with him it can't change your past, but it can alter your future. God, I just thank you for the power of your words in our life. That you reign supreme. That your words are better than anything else. That you so desperately desire and want to speak with us, your, your people, your children. Run to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. God, may we be a people who bring life with our words and blessing with our words and creation with our words. I just thank you, God, for what you've given us, and I thank you for that opportunity, Jesus. We love you. God, I worship you. You are worthy of all of our praises, of all of our worship, God. You are worthy. You are good. Change our mindset. Renew our minds, Father God. In your name, amen.